0: You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about.
1: You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. and We lied to them during recruiting. or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah.
2: You know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a J.C. softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, J.C. Softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like the, the 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 team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's. Contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring in little league anymore.
3: as we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play.
4: Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Winning the SEC probably is
1: harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that?
2: Look, how about the fucking dog? My dog. <laughs> yeah, my hey, 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 hey! Turn
5: that damn view, boss! hey, 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 hey!
2: Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves
6: that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and once again, unfortunately, flying solo. Shane's still moving, just moving down the street. Some for some damn reason, it's taken uh, all week to get just a couple hundred yards down the road. But uh, can't say that I'm surprised. Shane's not what we'd call uh, Light of foot or anything like that. So hopefully he's saying he'd be back on the next one. That's what he said about today. And it sounds like he's deeper into this move than he was the day before. I don't know what the hell's going on over there at Cousin Shane's house. but hey we got some football to talk about, man, the the season's coming to an end here soon, so I don't want to leave you guys hanging. Plenty of good games coming up, but you know one thing I did want to uh, make note before we get into some of these previews is you may not realize it, but the early signing period is, by the time you hear this, it'll be two weeks away. So, I mean, that thing is approaching fast. You know, it's going to happen during the season while these teams are playing, depending on how many games left uh, your team has. may have a game week. You may have a game on Saturday. You got early signing period on Wednesday. Then you got another game on Saturday. I mean, that's how it's going to work because it's, December sixteenth through December eighteenth is a three-day window, seventy-two-hour period, and if you've noticed, I mean, we're getting decommitments left and right. We talked about Tennessee losing five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis. Looks like he could be potentially heading to another SEC program here, but he's not the only one. I only highlighted that because he's a five-star, and you know Pruitt maybe on some unsettled ground there so i wanted to make note of it but this has happened across the sec obviously south Carolina's losing guys left and right because they just made a coaching change maybe they get some of those guys back in the boat when they make a hire which is starting to sound more and more like shane beamer we can talk more about that when shane gets back but you're just seeing guys left and right decommitting and i think it's because multiple reasons but i'll break it down here like I said, we're two weeks out. The recruiting dead period has been extended due to COVID. There's not going to be any official visits. You're not even supposed to be making, uh, you know, any kind of. They're all unofficial visits at this point. If a, as crazy as this sounds, if a prospect comes on the campus, not allowed to tour the facility. Not allowed to meet with the coaching staff. He can meet with the players. Can't stop uh, active players from engaging with recruits, but. I guess you're just technically not supposed to do it as part of a recruiting weekend. We all know that's happening though because we got prospects vid- visiting all across the SEC during these games, but they got to pay their own way. They got to pay their way into the just getting into the game. It's kind of crazy, but that's where we're at. And with uh, you know, so many pro- programs are close to the max hoping to sign their guys, but again, they're not able to have men on campus. So, we all know the SEC, they recruit nationally a lot of these programs and if you're committed let's just use that terrence lewis the five-star linebacker that uh, decommitted from tennessee he's from south florida so you think he's making his way to knoxville tennessee for any of these games he's it's not happening and for a team like tennessee maybe that's a good good thing because you can't have all the rest of these programs in here poaching your guys have taking them on visits official visits and whatnot to, to maybe flip their mind. But you're going to see guys like that that have not been on campus here in many, many months, maybe even a year. Those guys probably having second thoughts, maybe wanted to stay closer to home, maybe just unfamiliar with the, the campus and the facilities because it's been so long. So you're going to be seeing that left and right spots opening up across schools. So a lot of these decommits, Texas A&M just had one. A guy by the name, I believe his name's Victor Vaca. California defensive lineman kind of a similar situation probably not able to get his way out to college station but it certainly sounds like the Aggies with that one maybe trying to upgrade at that position trying to get more high profile linemen. with all due due respect to uh Victor that's what it certainly seems behind the scenes and that's another thing that's another thing I'm you're going to be seeing because Texas A&M all of a sudden it's a hot program Texas may be falling apart a little bit. Maybe we're poaching some of their guys. So it could be good news. It could be bad news. Like t- Tennessee's not living up to expectations on the field. So maybe you're seeing guys decommit Texas A&M, Florida, Alabama. It's going better or as expected. And then you're going to see guys wanting to hop on their team. So a lot of movement is going to be coming in the weeks ahead. And I'm not sure how many guys are going to sign. I think the guys that are going to sign are the ones that are truly committed. You know, where there's no doubt that the coach is going to be returning. How will that uh, factor into South Carolina and Vanderbilt where there's already been a coaching change? I think that's why you've already seen those moves made. That's been something Ray Tanner, Candace Lee spoke about. Wanting to make these moves before we get in for the early signing period. So just something to monitor. Like I said, it's coming down two weeks out. We're going to have... Quite a bit recruiting to talk about, and we'll we'll do plenty more in between here and then. But, man, this thing snuck up on me. It's usually after the regular season. It's going to be during it. It's going to be a wild ride here. And speaking of recruiting, I caused um, a bit of a stir here. Missouri fans got all pissed at me. Eli Drinkowitz was asked about uh, his recruiting class and, you know, how that's going with the early signing period approaching quickly. And if you don't know, the coaches are not allowed to talk about any players until they've actually signed their scholarship papers. And that's what the early signing period is. They're not allowed to do it until that point. So you can talk in generalities. You can't mention any players' names. You can't mention who you're going after or anything like that. So uh, Coach Drinkwitz was asked about it, and I thought I love this response. This is what I want to hear. I put it out there on Twitter. You know, he's embraced negative recruiting is what – I mean, that's the technical term for it. He's talking about trying to get other guys committed at other schools or potentially on the fence to committing to other schools saying, hey, listen, they did, they're not getting it done. Year one, look at what we're doing. Limited scholarships. Don't got a full complement of players. Look at what my quarterback's doing. Look what these running backs are doing. Look at uh, how the defense is progressing throughout the year. So let's kick it over to Eli Drinkwitz real quick talking about uh missouri's approach and this applies across the sec and i'll share my thoughts on the other side
7: yeah coach and uh, this
2: year obviously you're still playing games even though we've got the early signing period coming up
7: uh mid-december uh what has that been like as far as uh uh, trying to to flip a few or confirm a few or or just bring it home all the above um all the above We're, we're trying to hold on to the ones that we got. Um, there's obviously uh, people trying to come in and steal uh, or not steal flip spatula, uh, the, the good players that we have. And we're tr- trying to hold on. It's hard when you can't get in homes and, and haven't built that trust that you have. We're obviously trying to fill a few more spots in our roster that we have um, holes that are coming up. And so, you know, we've got a couple that we're targeting and we're really trying to finish strong on and, There may be one or two that maybe we've had a few side conversations with and maybe the person that they're, you know, talking to the most or think they're going hasn't had the season that they've expected and maybe there's unexpected doubts. And, you know, we throw some seeds into those doubts and see what happens. But uh, that's the game. That's the game within the game. And it's uh, a tiring game. but It is the game.
6: All right, so that seemed pretty clear to me. Missouri fans, again, take an exception to the fact that I'm saying that's negative recruiting, but that's what it is. And why I like that from them. I don't know if you remember, we have covered this when it happened, but uh, soon after Eli Drinkowitz got to Missouri, he was at some kind of booster function talking about, you know, we're going to do things the right way, and we're not going to do what those other SEC schools are. And I think he was, you know, talking about cheating. And I think that's people get confused with negative recruiting, cheating. This is not cheating. This is, as Missouri fans were trying to mock me and and point out, this is called recruiting. Yes, absolutely, that's what I'm saying. He, first uh, college job he had, I believe, was at Auburn under Gus Malzahn. You want to talk negative recruiting, those are the kings of negative recruiting. So he learned it from the best. When it comes to negative recruiting, that's what you have to do in the SEC because that's what every damn coach in the league Is doing to your program. And this is one of the question marks we had about Drinkowitz when he got hired. You know, everyone was saying he's this offensive guru type guy. I think that's certainly playing out so far. But can he recruit? Can this guy recruit in the SEC? I thought he proved that, you know, the last cycle he can. And comments like this, I applaud him for it. I like that uh, the fact that he came out and he was open about it because too many of these coaches aren't and they're just full of shit. And I like Coach Drinkwitz coming out here, being honest. He's in a you know, the, the toughest damn league. You think the coaching is tough, the action on the field is tough. Wait till you get to the damn recruiting. He's embraced it and I, I applaud him for it. And I don't understand why Missouri fans are fired up, but hell, your coach is doing it, and that's what you want him to be doing, as long as he's not breaking the rules. And certainly nothing he just suggested there is breaking any rule. But all right, enough uh, recruiting talk. Let's uh, we got some games to break down. Let's go around the league. Now let's go, now around, let's
0: the go around the league. I'm, my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna wear a hat
1: from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West.
0: Why why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us.
2: Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, I'm having a press conference. Okay,
6: thank you. SEC, SEC, SEC. All right, the game I was waiting for, cousin Shane. Shane's not showing up. Got to preview these damn games. We can't wait any longer. Florida at Tennessee. As cousin Shane likes to point out, Gators never won in Neyland Stadium in the month of December, because they win every other day of month on the calendar, it certainly seems like, and (laughs) one team on a five-game winning streak, one team on a five-game losing streak. We all know which is which in this matchup, Florida. We're going to get to Dan Mullen's comments here in a moment, but hell, they're talking about, you know, your first-ever division title. Remember, this guy's never even won a division title. That was uh, the thing Georgia fans had against him all off season, this damn man can't even win his division title. Well, he was coaching at Mississippi State, and he took over Florida when there's a damn juggernaut in Athens. So give him a little bit of a break here. He's closing in on it. They win on Saturday. He'll get his first one. But that's just kind of the tone of his presser this week. How do you keep your team engaged? What about Florida's SEC title chances? Winning a division title, the history of this series. He's not buying into much of it. Uh, but, uh, again, I mean, this is a this is a dangerous game for Jeremy Pruitt. And this is one where, you know, he's had circle in years past. It was the big uh, game his first year. There was a big recruiting weekend. You know, they were fired up for this one. And <laughs> it's like repeating history here. If I recall the exact play, Jared Garantano did not see the blitz coming. He got destroyed, obliterated. Ball comes out. Florida recovers. May have even scored on that play. And that was basically all she wrote. And the Gators just beat the hell out of Tennessee in Neyland Stadium. And then repeat following season last year. Remember all the hype. We got what? Ta- what's the temperature in Gainesville? They had signs all over Tennessee's facility in training camp. What's the temperature in Gainesville? Well, that sure as sure shit helped. 34-3, lost to Florida. That was uh, the turning point, basically, for the season. Maybe this year, but uh, the season's already over. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is a night and day difference here. Obviously, this is the game that uh, you know Tennessee fans get up for the most, typically. And it's usually because they're 2-0, and 3-0, whatever, going into this one. This is the game they look to this year. It's completely opposite, overlooking it. No one's fired up for it. So, maybe, just maybe... Maybe that changes the bad mojo. Harrison Bailey, true freshman, looks like he's going to get the start, but you know all the momentum Florida's got going for it. All the uh, lack of momentum, I guess you'd say, on Tennessee's part. You can compound that with the fact that Tennessee has had a number of players in COVID tracing. I don't think they've got a you know high number of tests, positive tests or anything. We'll get to Jeremy Pruitt here in a minute, but he says uh, they got a lot of guys coming off the protocol. That'll be, they should be good to go by the time the game arrives, but they're not going to be prepping for it like they normally would. One of those players is a quarterback, and it's not Harrison Bailey. That would just be Tennessee fans' luck right there, finally turning it over to Harrison Bailey. He gets COVID, he's got to sit out. (laughs) That may have been the end of Pruitt if that happened, but that's not what happened. It was another quarterback, and it sounds like that's Jarrett Garantado. So, no. Prep for Jarrett Garitano, all the reps going to Harrison Bailey potentially. You got to figure there's a coaching, or excuse me, a, I almost said coaching change. Almost, almost got you Vol Nation fired up, but a quarterback change on Rocky Top. How does that affect things? Does that energize this team? You know, I said it here, and I'll stick by it. They would have beat Auburn without that pick six. I mean, that was the play of the game. Maybe we get, get rid of those mistakes in this one. I don't know. But before I talk myself into this one, <laughs> let's kick it over to Dan Mullen, who talked about uh, getting his team engaged for this matchup on Florida. You know, all the hype. We're going to win the SEC East with a win. You're going to get your first division title. And he was asked about the history of the series, and he wasn't buying it.
1: Yeah, Dan, I was just wondering, a chance to clinch this week, and is that going to be a big emphasis this week, getting ready for the game?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: it's a great opportunity for us uh, that way, you know, I mean, the, the biggest emphasis on us is, is finding ways that we got to improve as a team. That's the biggest emphasis of, uh, you know, it's a long season. It's a tough season, making sure we have the mental mental toughness and the both and the physical toughness uh, to continue to play at a high level to continue to do the things you need to win. Uh, and, you know, and part of that is the preparation all during the week. You know, they get the game, you get to go perform. All our preparation leads up to how you're going to perform is what's the most important thing. And that was that's what we touched on uh, this morning in the meeting, is, is finding ways to, to be mentally tough enough to get better.
2: This time of year when you really get mentally and physically challenged, teams can dip, I mean, because of the long season. This being an especially hard season, a different kind of fatigue perhaps sets on you. I was thinking about the famous quote from Vince Lombardi, who said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. How do you, and you seem to manage that pretty well, how do you manage that fatigue? And how do you manage that attitude? Because you you guys have, in fact, done well with your COVID. Just, just talk about the tiredness, mental and physical, and how you
1: manage it. Well, it gets to mental toughness. You know, it gets to mental toughness, right? If you want to be successful. Um, the path to success is not a short one. It is a long, long journey, and and most people, um, you know, all of a sudden, that, like as you say, they get exhausted on the during their on their journey to success. And so, you know, it's very easy. The easiest thing to do is to quit or to give up or to stop or to, to not try anymore. Uh, the hardest thing to do is to continue to push on. And but but as I said, the path to success is a, is a long one, and it takes great mental toughness. Uh, to do it, great. Ta- you know, you know. We talked this morning. You can't get bored with repetition. We got to come and have a great Monday practice today. I know we've had a lot of Mondays practices. Uh, we've had a lot of practices. I think you know. Our, if you go back to when we could start doing walkthroughs, was mid-July, okay? And now it's it's. You know, we're heading into December, um, and. But it takes great mental toughness to continue to show up, continue to work, continue to grind, to continue to mentally prepare, and to go out and give the physical effort that you need to be successful, to improve and get better on the field. And uh, that's stuff that we stress all the time. Hey Dan,
2: uh, obviously this program hasn't uh, been to Atlanta in one since you were last here as the OC um, for a chance to go back there and to try and get a win. Uh, you know, what would that
7: mean for this program?
1: Well, I mean we gotta qualify to get there first, so um, that'd be that'd be much more important than even thinking about that stuff. So, um, you know, for us, uh we gotta go really focus on beating Tennessee this week, you know. I mean we gotta, gotta you know, they're gonna be a really, really talented team. Um, you know, really talented offensive line, great running backs, threats at receiver and their quarterbacks are to me throw really good deep balls. Uh very, very veteran unit on defense. So, uh you know, I don't. I don't. We'll see if that becomes if that becomes a reality. We'll think about that then. Um, you know, the only reality I know we're faced with is having to go to Knoxville and beat Tennessee.
2: And then I know you uh, chase things much bigger than di- division titles, but it'll be your first division title as a head coach. Is that something that you know you're you're having your head Saturday as well?
1: Uh, that'd be great if it happens. You know, that's always the goal is to worry about what you can control. Uh, you know, and so we've put ourselves in a position to play Saturday and we can, can, you know, we can control the game on Saturday. So we've put ourselves in that position at this point. So um, we'll work our tail off to go try to control the game as best we can Saturday and hopefully come out on top. And then I'll, I'll let you know afterwards how it feels.
2: Hey, real quick, your your knowledge of history in terms of this game, you know about it, or you were the 1928 game where Florida lost by a point when you had to go to Rose Bowl? And, of course, in 2001, Coach Spurrier had one of his best teams. Tennessee came in here because of 9-11 and won. Now you're going up there on in December, which, by the way, was the same time that 28 2008 you went up there, to play a Tennessee team. Any symmetry there, or it's just all water under the bridge?
1: Yeah, I wasn't around for any of those ones, so that's those are way before my time. Um, nobody on that 2019. 2019- 08 team or whatever is going to have an impact on this 1928 team is going to have an impact on this game so um you know i hope anybody that played in that game is still cheering for us um if they're around but I, I don't i don't see that it's all about us playing tennessee this year and their team against our team um I, there's you know stuff doesn't really to me carry over like last year's game has no effect on it the year before, it has no effect, and next year's game won't have any effect on this year's game. So uh, it's about our preparation and our execution on Saturday.
6: All right, so you, it's certainly easy to see why Dan Bullen's getting these questions about, you know, focus on his team. And hell, the damn presser, they didn't even ask anything about Tennessee. Dan Bullen talked a little bit about him in the opening, but, man, this is almost like you're playing Vanderbilt here. I mean, who gives a shit about the other team? It's all the focus is on you. How are you not going to screw this up? How are you not going to overlook them? How about the history of the series? Could that be a trap? Dan Mullen shutting it all down. They just had the playoff reveal. Florida did not move in the rankings. Still number six. It's kind of irrelevant, in my opinion, because if they win out going over to the SEC championship, that'll be their opportunity against Alabama. Win and you're in. Who cares about your ranking? But that's where it's at right now. Style points. They, if they win every game the rest of the way by one point, they can win the national championship by one point. Who cares? So Florida's not a team that needs to style points. But, you know, the only factors there, maybe the trap game. But, again, this is a Florida defense. I know they've been looking pretty good playing Kentucky. They're pretty got off on offense. Vanderbilt, you know, did some things against them. But, you know, they looked pretty good against Arkansas, too. We've got to give them credit for that. So maybe they're starting to come around. But – Tackling's been an issue. Stopping the run, a little bit of an issue. That's all Tennessee's going to be able to do in this one. That's what they're going to have to do, shorten the game, take it out of Kyle Trask's hands, try to limit Kyle Pitts. No chance in hell that actually happens, but they're going to try. So, you know, it's going to be on Florida's defense to make some stops here in the run game because, you know, that's what's coming. So this is going to be probably their toughest test on that side of the ball based on what LSU is doing right now until we see uh, the SEC championship. So th- I think this is going to be a really good test for Florida's defense. But, uh, of course, we all know they're going to be up for this challenge. All right, flipping to the other side here. Let's go on down to Rocky Top. Rocky Top. This could be the first home game for Tennessee in 42 days. How crazy is that? It didn't have a home game the entire month of November hadn't happened till the 1890s. My God, 42 days since the last home game, and I don't want to say job is on the line here because we all know Jeremy Pruitt can't beat Florida, can't beat Alabama, can't beat Georgia. And sadly, this is in his third season here. I think the the key him for him is just not to get blown out because he kept getting. Not only is he not being competitive with these teams, he's getting his ass kicked in all of them. So that's going to be the key for Tennessee. Don't get your ass beat in the snow against Gators. Last time I remember Florida playing in a cold weather last year, they did play at Missouri. They handled that pretty well. But the time before that at Vanderbilt, I remember it. You know that was being that was a rough game. They've had issues in Columbia, Missouri before. Knoxville, Tennessee, obviously a little bit different story, but. Hell, I'm trying to find positives here for Tennessee. Eric grays he's a man possessed there. They got the offensive line intact. I think that could be an advantage for Tennessee in this one. Unfortunately, it's just going to be a major, major disadvantage every time Florida's got the ball. So will we see trick plays? Will we see onside kicks? Will we see, you know, things of that nature? in it? If Tennessee thinks they can win this game with a bunch of damn field goals, you know, we almost got to go into this one like we're playing Alabama, where you got to assume they're going to score a touchdown every time they touch the ball. So you have to do everything in your power to do the same. And if you're potentially starting a true freshman quarterback in Harrison Bailey, maybe he opens it up, but that's a dangerous spot to be in to basically put the pressure on him to score every time, go up against a guy that's probably going to win the damn Heisman Trophy. At least he's locked up being a finalist in Kyle Trask. So let's kick it over to Jeremy Pruitt, who – it's just night and day different here. Night and day different. Dan Mullen, you know, we worried too much about overlooking. You know, we're winning all these accolades here. Jeremy Pruitt. Why can't you score more than seventeen? How many guys you got out? Or what do you look for to start at a freshman? He talks about Harrison Bay a little bit, and then my God, he's. Uh, I think he's dating Kyle Pitts based on these comments here. He thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. When you look at your own
1: sort of offense, what do you feel like has limited you guys from having some of that explosiveness and being able to score 40 points and those kind of things?
3: Well, I can assure you, we want to score every, every possession, right? Um, I mean, we've talked about this over and over. We've had turnovers, we've had penalties, lack of execution. Um, You know, I I can assure you, David, it's not our plan to go out there and score 17 points. Uh, We want to score as many as we can, right?
2: Any Any number in terms of people that have been out that weren't available to you this week?
3: Um, you know we we've had two uh, guys test positive, but it dates back to when we came back from Auburn, uh, but unfortunately, with the contact tracing, you know that number has grown uh, you know pretty good bit there, so um, it it's it's knocked us out of a lot of the guys, uh, which they'll start coming back in here toward the end of this week.
2: Yeah, I guess I just meant the number of guys that were out due to contact tracing. It's nothing like it was earlier in the year, or anything, right?
3: No, we're we're you know at that time we were forty and fifty. We're we're probably about sixteen right now. Okay. And you mentioned sixteen of them that that may be in quarantine or so forth. Are all of your quarterbacks available, or is or has any of your quarterbacks been affected by that? No, we, we, we've, had, uh, we've had one that's been affected. So, uh, listen, I, the, the whole part of it is I've tried to, you know, uh, be as transparent as we can with it. We can't say exactly who, but, um, you know, these guys uh, that are out there practicing, they're, they're working hard uh, to create chemistry with our guys. So um, we'll continue to do that this week.
4: Hi Jeremy, when you are looking at playing or starting a true freshman, aside from just kind of the basic knowledge of the position and what's being asked of them, what are some of the intangibles that you look for from them in practice?
3: Well, um, you know, it starts probably with knowledge. Um, you know, and for this freshman class, um, you know, with with the we had some guys that were mid year, but they didn't get a chance to go through spring ball. So that probably hurt them. Um, but just creating the right habits, uh, knowledge, knowing what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, and why you're supposed to do it that way uh, is important. Uh, being able to be mature enough to come and work every day at practice to compete, um, you know, and because everybody sees it right so and hey our freshman our freshman class we got a lot of really good football players in there um and these guys continue to be positive to work hard and as the season has went you've seen more and more of them play
6: yeah jeremy with with harrison bailey how much more have you been able to to throw at him with the playbook and and understanding the offense as the season has moved along
3: well i don't i really don't think the issue of of you know, is the playbook. Uh, you know, Harrison's a smart guy that's worked really hard. It's, it's been more about opportunities, uh, you know, So, and getting live opportunities. And he's had a chance to do more and more of that as the season has went. Uh, when you just talk about volume of work, you know, really uh, playing a little bit at the end of the Kentucky game, the Arkansas game, and then this um, couple of weeks ago against Auburn has been really good for him just for the speed of the game. Uh, to prepare him uh, for the future. So uh, that's been really, really good. Uh, he works hard every single day um, and, and is developing uh, a little bit more of a leadership around the rest of his teammates. That's part of being a quarterback is getting the other 10 guys to be at their best. So uh, again, he continues to do what we ask him to do. Jimmy, I know Kyle Pitts
2: presents maybe different challenges that no other tight end does, but how would you assess how your defense has defended tight ends this year?
3: Well, it doesn't matter how we've defended them. None of them have been like this guy, right? So, uh, you know, this is probably in all my years coach, and I believe he's the most talented guy that we've ever played against. Uh, You know, he's a guy that can line up and and win one-on-one on corners. He can win one-on-one on safeties, uh, linebackers. Uh, so, And then, like I said, he's really improved uh, in, in blocking uh, in the interior part. You know, he's just a complete football player uh, and, and playing as good as anybody in our conference.
6: All right, so Pruitt never really says a ton to these pressers, but, my God, he's high on Kyle Pitts and the Florida Gators. So <laughs> maybe he's auditioning to be Florida's next defensive coordinator. Who knows? But uh, – They've got to be competitive in this matchup. This is the one where Tennessee fans, you judge – Pruitt said it himself when he got the job. You judge by how you do against Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Those comments are looking worse and worse with each passing game because Tennessee just gets it stomped in each of those games. So it's got to end here on Saturday. You've had two weeks to prepare for this. I don't care how many guys you had out for COVID – uh, your team is better than they've been shown on the field, and it's time for you to get that out of them. We'll see if it happens on Saturday. All right, next game. Uh, let's uh, jump on down to College Station.
0: Giga Gigamagas.
6: Where I noted it there, talking Florida. Texas A&M stayed the same in the college football playoff poll, number five in the nation. Now, they're a little bit different story because they don't control their old destiny. They need Alabama to lose a couple games. Or they need someone else in front of them to lose a couple games. Style points are important here. And they're going against an Auburn team that they have lost to three years in a row. Thankfully they've got Isaiah Spiller leading the SEC in rushing right now with 112 rushing yards a game. You know, before that LSU game, they certainly look like a true college football playoff contender. I know I defended them a little bit. I've been defending them online, but you know, I went back and watched that game. They were just they were just so off particularly Kellen Bond, but can't put it all on him because his receivers and even Spiller, we just praised him for his rushing accolades this year. I mean, I believe it was him, second play of the game, wide open, dropped it, would have been, you know, probably a 10, 15-yard gain on second and six. And, you know, these are the plays. It it just seemed like they were out of sync, and I think a lot of that had to do with being off for 21 days. Did they knock off the rust? They better because Auburn is – you know, a hurt team right now. And what happens when you back a hurt animal in a corner, man, they strike at you. So they, they have confidence. They can beat A&M last year. Auburn was an underdog at college station. And I know the final score was pretty good, but Auburn came out, punched them right in the mouth. It was never really a game from what I recall. Texas A&M scored very late in that game to make it a one possession game looked a lot closer than what it really was. Auburn dominated and a. You know they don't have the same defense, but they've got a lot of the a lot of the same playmakers on offense. Tank Bigsby, another week, potentially he's back in the lineup. Auburn does have some injury questions in this one, but you know the key, potentially, something I've uh, we've said many times, Bo Nix doesn't seem like he's capable of carrying the offense by himself. Auburn very dependent on this running attack to lead the way for uh, Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris's offense. And, hell, now you're going up against an Aggie front that you want to talk about, you know, they were rusty in LSU. You, that's Those comments were all reserved for the offense because the defense, outside of the play to Terrence Marshall and then the following, you know, was it a touchdown, was not play? I mean, besides that, they shut LSU down basically the entire game. That front seven was all over the field. Defensive lineman of the week, I believe freshman of the week. Texas A&M had two players honored, both in that front seven. No, it was defensive lineman of the week, and it was uh, Buddy Johnson defensive player of the week. So, I mean, they're, that, deep, that front is playing outstanding for Mike Elko. And if they shut Auburn down on the ground, it's going to be a long, long day. For Chad Morris's offense. That's why I think it's uh, you know, the mismatch there clearly favors the Aggies. So I think Auburn is gonna go to the air. They're they're gonna ask Bo Nicks to beat to win them this game. And these receivers. A talented bunch. And that's something Texas ain't. The defensive backs have been playing really well. Really limited LSU. But again, that's LSU. True freshman quarterbacks. We got opt-out receivers, young receivers. Last time. Texas A&M played receivers of this caliber. I think you'd say Florida. Florida put up a lot of points on them. week prior, Alabama, we all know what happened there, smoked them. That was when we, you know, I was questioning, is this Jimbo even the right man for the job? It seems like a couple years ago. It was only a couple months ago. So they've come a long way, certainly. But this is going to be the biggest test since that game for the A&M secondary How do they perform? That's something Jimbo Fisher talked about. Let's kick it over to the Aggie coach, talking about Kellen Mons, his poor performance in that LSU game on, uh, you know, having to win close games. Talks about uh, Auburn's receivers versus Texas A&M's defensive backs, back-to-back questions here. And then I really like this question. You know, last week was a struggle, certainly, in a lot of aspects for the Aggies, yet they won the game, was never even really close. Jimbo's not so sure that in years past, he's not so sure his team would have won that game in years past. Uh,
3: anyways, just a couple things. First of all, uh, do you just look at that game for Kellen and just say, hey, sometimes you're going to have an off game and assume he'll be better moving on? You forward?
4: do. And, and I say as I look at that game, he, he did not play his best by far. Missed some throws, missed some things. And we rat-trapped some routes around him, like I said. We gave up some protections. We had some routes that were going to come wide open, and we're coming open. And we busted protection up front, which we haven't done all year. And he actually got rid of the football and didn't take a sack uh, and those things. But, he you know, he wasn't as sharp. He got hit some, and that's part of it. And you got to play, and he'll make adjustments and move on. And just like he has all year and always has in his career. But some of that, too, in his defense, he did not play a good game, had some mistakes. And like he normally does, you know, he's been playing really, really good football. But we got to play some better around him, too, in some things, and some plays, make some plays, protect him a little better at times, and do a better job. But, yes, expect him to come back and play really well.
3: Yeah, Coach, you said that your team is finding ways to win. You've done it on offense earlier in the year. You just did it on defense. And when you look at Auburn, last time you guys played, was a really close game. Are you confident if this game on Saturday is another close one with Auburn that this team will, I guess, know how to pull it out and win? Well,
4: I do. I mean, listen, if you don't understand how to play close games in this league, you're in trouble. I say, that. hopefully, it won't be close. I Man, we could play really well. I don't know, but or whatever. But at the same time, everybody has players. These games are all going to be close. They're all going to be tough. They're all coming down. Even when you win them by significant numbers, if you'll watch for three quarters, most of those games are go back to one or two plays, change them. I mean, that's just what this league's about. That's why it's more like pro football than any league in, in college football because of the number of players. And yeah, I believe in our team 100% that way, for sure.
3: And they've got a couple of uh, all-conference caliber receivers. Oh, yeah. I wonder if you could speak to, speak to yeah, them. Yeah, I mean, Seth well.
4: Williams, listen, Seth is big, strong. I recruited him out of high school. He's from Tuscaloosa. I mean, he came down to our camp when I was at Florida State. Big, strong, fast, can catch balls, make contested catches. Schwartz is as fast as anybody in America. Can flat fly, can run away from guys, bubble screens, reverses, over-the-top posts. I mean, can do it all. Eli Stove is a heck of a player. He's from Niceville, Florida, knew him in high school. Was an offense, defensive player. Could be a safety, could be a receiver, could catch it, run very tough. I mean, those guys are very dynamic in what they're doing their backs are strong the back i mean the back's a heck of a back i mean he's he's a freshman probably gonna rush for a thousand yards unless i mean i know he got nicked up with i don't know what he got last game but he's on pace to be be at that pace and uh i mean very talented group of guys around him
3: coach you've talked about uh how the entire defense has looked good the last several weeks and they worked in conjunction but i wanted to ask you about the secondary and the corners in particular it looks like they've really rebounded after a a couple of tough weeks there early in the
4: season. You're right. I mean, I, as I say that because against Arkansas, we struggled back there and did some things, and the last couple of weeks we played well. I think i say going back to fundamentals, guys getting better. You know, Jalen's getting a lot more experience, and Nichols are doing a good job. Getting Eric Young has, has been good, and he's, he's coming back in there playing good. And, of course, Miles Jones has been outstanding. You know, he, he's had a really, really solid year. So, I think the experience of what to do and, and like I say take the coaching and you understand when you play when you play back there you got to have a short memory. There's guys you're going to get beat every now and then. It's part of it. It's like quarterback you're going to throw a bad ball. It, it's going to happen. You got to have a short memory. You got to understand why it happened, move on, have confidence in yourself and don't lose that confidence and go play. And that's that's part of football when that's when you play good people. But very proud of the development those guys have done. Very proud.
6: Hey coach, what does it say about the
4: growth of this program that even on a night where you guys didn't have your A game. You were still able to beat a good SEC opponent in relatively – Well, that's what match. I'm hoping we understand. And, that you know, you, you know, I don't mean it's a bad way. I don't know the first – I don't know if we win that game before. I, I don't. I really don't. Because, you know, we struggled in some areas, but we still fought – and you know the defense rose up, just kept going higher and higher, and the offense just kept plugging along, doing what they could. Special teams stayed in it, and you have to you have to learn to do that. There's going to be games like that, like I said earlier, when the defense struggled in games and offense, we said, okay, we got to score six times in a row or seven times. Okay, let's do it. What makes a difference? And you learn to do that. Now sometimes you can't, but you know I think, and nobody's pointing fingers, nobody's saying, hey, you didn't do your job. And when you play a team sport, and that's why football is such a great game, you know it, it, it's it's you got to feed off each other and do what's you have to do to be successful and very proud of these guys and our defense did that the other night for the offense and offense has done it for the defense at times and I think that's why it keeps these guys in a very tight-knit group of guys and uh, very proud of the development we've made as an organization
6: all right so there's there you have it from Jimbo I mean he sounds pretty confident still even despite uh, the struggles there from Kellen Mond in the last game they've really got to make sure that uh, that was just a one-game incident because if not I know Tex-Sam favored in this game, not by a ton. Game on the road. Dangerous position. Auburn fighting for their coach, potentially. Probably not. Probably I guess always on the hot seat, we like to say, but not really at this point. But, you know, he starts losing all these games at the tail end of the season. Might be a different story. So, I don't know. I think this is a... This is one of the noon games and one of the better games in the SEC this week. Really need to see Texas A&M respond. And, of course, uh, let's jump on down to the Plains. Get ready,
2: Toomer's corner. Auburn's coming to roll you. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45.
6: Because that's the same thing we could say against Auburn. Um, I still, hell, I just said it a couple minutes ago. I thought, uh, you know, Tennessee could have easily won that game. Gus might be in real trouble if they lost to that one. Jeremy Pruitt's Tennessee program got smoked by against Alabama, but hell, you know we probably read too much into that because everybody's getting smoked by Alabama outside of Ole Miss. They were stealing signs, according to Saban and all his players. That was the excuse anyway. But everybody's getting smoked by Alabama, so are we reading too much into that. I mean, Auburn's got a chance for a hell of a season here, seven and three potentially in an all all ten game SEC schedule. I think uh, most realistic Auburn fans would have signed right up for that. So that's still out in front of them. You know, let's not bury the Tigers just yet. They've got a lot to play for, but uh, they've really got to get this ground game going. Unless they put it on Bo Nick's shoulders, like I said there, like they may have to. But uh, let's kick it all over to Gus Malzahn. talks about that Texas A&M run defense. And, uh, you know, all these opt-outs we're seeing all across college football and the sec we haven't seen that at auburn even though they've lost some games just lost the iron bowl we all know why haven't we seen that at auburn gus malzahn asked that question i thought this was a good one
7: Stadiums run
3: game how, how impressive are their defense to you on that
0: yeah um you know they're they're very disruptive up front uh, you know they got a lot of guys that played a whole lot of games and they're athletic um like I said, they do some things scheme-wise that's a little bit different with all their twisting and moving and pressures, and um, and then when they know it's passed, they've got not just one, but that just about all of them up front have the ability to do a good job rushing the passer too. So they've done a good job against the run, and, and like like we've talked about before, you know, we've got to be balanced. We've got to be able to run the football effectively to be at our best. So I think that'll be a big key, you know, to this game.
3: Gus, it's such an unusual year, and usually the Iron Bowl is the end of the regular season, but you have now two more games to go. If, during the course of the week, you pick up on some body language where guys are maybe wondering, well, what else is there left to play for? How would you answer that question? You know, I,
0: I think it's, it's a positive after the Iron Bowl. You're exactly right. You know, We're all programmed that the Iron Bowl's over with, and you're thinking about postseason, whatever that means. And then you know the unique thing. Obviously, we came off a tough loss, but the unique thing is we got a top five team uh, coming in. We got a chance to to redeem ourselves, you know. So that's different. That should be a positive, uh, you know, this week compared to your normal uh, seasons. So that's the way we got to look at it, and and that'll be a a big key uh, for our guys to get ready to play a a really, really big, big uh, uh, game at home. A highest ranked team, you know, we'll play at home all year.
3: Gus, this has been kind of an unusual college football season where you've seen teams have guys opt out, you know, through the year. What do you think that says about this group that you really haven't seen that from this team this year?
0: Well, it's an unusual year, there's no doubt. Um, You know, we got a really close bunch, um, you know, and so I think it says a lot about our guys.
6: All right, so you you don't get the big headlines. You don't get, uh, you know, people talking about lack of opt-outs and the leadership. I mean, those are not sexy topics. To discuss but that's what we've got here on the plains that's what we got with Gus Malzahn's program and that I think is going to give him a real fighting chance here to be in this game against Texas A&M when they're being an underdog at home that's always a dangerous dangerous place for a talented team like an Auburn to be at home late in the season crazy things happen I know Texas A&M is going to be picked by many but uh Hell, I'm not writing off Auburn at this point, and neither should you. All right, final matchup I'm going to break down on this one. The Battle Line Trophy. Whoopee. The fans involved in this may not even know what in the hell the Battle Line Trophy is. It's a 180-pound Arkansas-Missouri trophy that they invented a couple of years ago. It takes uh, damn near two or three people to carry this so bitch, but... That's what Arkansas and Missouri are playing for. So let's kick it down to Arkansas first, where hey, we had some uh, big news here from Fayetteville on Tuesday because Rakeem Boyd opted out for the season, final two games. And again, I know we kind of jumped on Terrence Marshall a little bit here for doing the same thing this week, but and I get, you know, a lot of fans have already seen them doing this they're basically saying the same thing Rakeem Boyd. It's understandable. You can't really have it both ways but I don't recall Rakeem Boyd kind of having a team meeting saying uh, you know let's not opt out folks but it is what it is he's been banged up basically his entire career he's certainly been banged up this year he's not even been Arkansas's best running back that's going to uh Smith and he was also part of those uh that was you know out because of COVID so I don't think he has COVID at the moment I don't even know if he had it he but he was unavailable when a lot of those guys were. So, you know, maybe there's residual effects from that. We've seen, can't remember the guy's name, but uh, there was an LSU player, a lineman that had it lost like 60 pounds. So, who knows? I mean, it's not, this is one where, yeah, people are just going to call him a quitter and all this. But I'm not I'm not saying that about Rakeem Boyd. He, If he's a quitter, he wouldn't have committed to play for Sam Pittman. He would have went to the NFL after Chad Morris got fired. He didn't have to buy in. To Sam Pittman's program he was one of the first big ones to buy in he came well before Felipe Franks committed to Arkansas he remained committed before I'm pretty sure before the uh, yeah because Arkansas had a they had a big turnaround in recruiting but it was after the national signing day in February because they needed time now it's coming back to me so yeah he was one of the first ones I'm telling you to start this Momentum. I think Arkansas fans need to, you know, take this all into consideration when they consider Raheem Boyd in the years to come. I mean, he finished with, I believe, over two thousand rushing yards during his time in Fayetteville. He's a good, good player for you, and one uh, I think you're gonna have a lot more fond memories than you do, you know, otherwise because I, hell, I don't even think he was gonna contribute that much towards the tail end of the season. And if you're not there, you don't want to be in the testing. You're not gonna contribute. I don't know, it's probably better just to go and and isolate or whatever and train or do whatever the hell you got to do to get ready for the NFL. And remember, for this game too, Jalen Catalan unfortunately out for the first half after that uh, terrible, terrible targeting call at the LSU game, second half, the fourth quarter of that one. So he's going to have to miss the first two quarters. That's huge. I mean, probably their best – Hell, it's hard to say he's the best defensive player, but I think he is because they got so many good ones this year. But he's got to be up there. I mean, he's trending towards an All-American type season. So that's a big blow. It's a big blow for this one. Um, but let's kick it over to Sam Pittman talking about uh, Arkansas' roster update. Remember, they were the reason that this game didn't happen last week. Just didn't have enough players to to play. And as Sam Pittman puts it, we didn't even have enough to practice. So that's something to consider. Talks about Barry Odom's return to Missouri. And on Eli Drinkowitz, gives his thoughts on uh, Coach Drinkowitz here. Sure. Sam,
5: uh, I was wondering, first, if you could maybe give us an update. Did, did y'all get a clean bill of health yesterday's testing? And do you think everyone that missed the LSU game will, will be back for, for this week? Uh, we anticipate um, having a close to full roster. Um, our testing went well yesterday. And um, – uh, you know, between injuries that we <clears throat> had and and the COVID, we feel like we're going to be pretty close to full speed.
6: Coach, you said you expect close to a, a full roster back, but, you know, those guys in quarantine and stuff, how do you expect them to be um, physically with their conditioning? Um, is that a worry factor for you or not very much?
5: Not really. You know, quarantine now is a little bit different than what it was before Nikki and that they can get some individualized workouts, you know, before they, they weren't able to do that. Now they can. Um, so to be honest with you, we've been dealing with it all year. So uh, just a few more now, obviously, but uh, I think we'll be okay. We're going to do business as usual this week. And if I feel like at the end of practice, we haven't had a spirited practice or that we need a little bit more conditioning, we'll get that in early in the week. But I'm certainly not anticipating that. I'm anticipating the guys have have, have done enough to to be able to play hard uh, for, obviously, 60 minutes.
3: Yeah, coach. Seems like every other week there's some kind of underlying storyline with the game, and this one, obviously, with Barry Odom returning to Columbia. Uh, just curious about. I know you prepare equally for every game, but any any underlying extra meaning for for coach and uh, also Sam Carter and and Brad Davis and. I guess there's probably a benefit in knowing personnel too.
5: Well, I think there's a benefit from those guys because they know the personnel. Um, I've also been playing Missouri now for a long time. And uh, so we think we've got a pretty good handle of who they've had, at least in the past. Um, You know, Missouri is our crossover game. So uh, obviously we play them every single year and, and they've had the best of us, at least for the past four years, and and um, so we're, we're going to try our best like like we would each and every game to try to stop that, but uh, certainly they're playing top-notch football right now, well-coached and physical, and they're going to try to bully us on offense and on defense. They're going to have an exceptional D-line and probably the greatest linebacker, at least one of them in the country in Bolton, so they uh, certainly are a good football team. They're playing at, you know, they're peaking right now at the right time, We have a lot of respect for them. But uh, to be honest with you, they're our crossover rival, and that's a big deal to us. Sam,
2: you mentioned Eli Drinkwitz. I was wondering how, how well you know each other, and he's, he's obviously a, an Arkansas native. Just wondering what, what you know about him, and, and do you guys know each other very well personally, Had much interaction?
5: I'm getting to know him, uh, better. Uh, I have a lot of respect for him and, um, uh, uh, we text back and forth, uh, at different times. Um, uh, I think he, he made public that he texted me at 1145 last Monday night, uh, which he did, uh, whenever <laughs> we had to cancel and they got a new one, he just wanted to make sure that, that I was up since he, he had to be. And, uh, I thought it was funny, and but you know I have a lot of respect for him. I didn't know him until um, you know obviously this year, and and uh, being head coaches, we we get a chance to talk to a lot of head coaches during the season, and and he's one that I've certainly taken a, a liking to and and a friendship with. Sam, I noticed. <clears throat> that you mentioned three games left. I guess that includes a bowl game. Do you feel confident that y'all have, have done enough to, to earn a spot in a bowl? Oh, yeah. I mean, we won three SEC games. Uh, any I think anytime you win three SEC games and you're scheduled right uh, in the preseason, that's equals anywhere from six to seven. and Absolutely. And... Uh, and I think we will. I think we deserve it.
6: All right, so old Sam Pittman's old buddy-buddy with the uh, with the rival coach here. <laughs> and, you know, pretty interesting. Missouri's the favorite in this game. Missouri's got all the buzz. We're already seeing people, Eli Drinkowitz, coach of the year, or Sam Pittman. You know, they're they're kind of got both these guys in their hand weighing them out equally. But I'll still give it to Sam Pittman. I think, uh, you know, the impression of them kind of hurt a little bit after Florida, but much like Alabama, Florida's wrecking everybody outside of Texas A&M. So, you know, I don't, that's not a major strike, in my opinion, against Arkansas. And then the LSU game, I mean, you went toe-to-toe with them. Remember, they were out so many players due to the COVID. So, I don't know. I mean, think back to Arkansas, what they were when they were closer to full speed, which Sam Pittman says they were now. Should have beat Auburn. They got robbed of that one. Competed with Georgia, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, beating those teams. I don't know. I still think that's more impressive than what Missouri's done. Missouri's beaten Vanderbilt, Kentucky was terrible. South Carolina just fired their coach. LSU, that was a great win. I'm not trying to take away from what Missouri did, but hell, this is uh, maybe this is where they proved me wrong here. I still kind of lean towards Arkansas. Now that uh, of course they're banged up, you got. Players opting out, you got players injured, so you know it's not all hunky dory at Arkansas either. This is this really is going to be the game of the week, in my opinion, in the SEC. I know it's one of the nooners, but looking, you know, forward to this one. And they're all saying the right things here. But after, you know, after the coaching changes, after Barry Odom got down here, still some other. Brad Davis came first, actually, former Missouri offensive line coach. Uh, We got a GA. Michael Scherr from Missouri. I mean, hell, they, t- they took recruits from Missouri. This is, uh, I think this is a, they're trying to keep this thing friendly, but I think it's a lot more heated than they're letting on. Let's jump on down to the other side, Columbia, where Drinkowitz also met with the media here on Tuesday. And, you know, he talked about the, ru- the rivalry and facing Barry Odom and on the attention he and Missouri have been getting. And uh, he was asked about Sam Pittman, too. He's, he's pretty buddy-buddy with Sam Pittman. Hi, Coach. Um, just sort of related to that, I wonder what your sense of the state of this rivalry is. And it, it, it seems it
3: perhaps would be enhanced a little bit by, by such things as Coach Odom being there and you coming from Arkansas. Do you, do you have a any feel for that?
7: Um, I mean, I think it'd be a lot better if there we were able to play with the full crowd. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's a trophy on the line. Uh, they're standing in our way from accomplishing what we want to accomplish this year. And we're standing in their way. So that's rivalry enough. Um, there, there's plenty of storylines, however you want to, to, to create them. But the bottom line is, this is a player's game. And on Saturday at 11 o'clock, whichever team's ready to play the most is going to win. And, um, uh, you know, both of us def- desperately want to win. So rivalry or not, I think we're going to both going to get each other's best shot. They've obviously, uh, Needed a week to get healthy, so they're probably going to be peaking at the right time. You know, we've got a little bit of momentum, so I anticipate being a great football game.
6: Eli, how
1: much, if at all, do you address the team about, I guess, going up against Barry, who recruited a lot of them and has relationships with a lot of them?
7: Absolutely. I mean, there's no hiding it. Um, You know, we talked about it on Sunday that, you know, there's obviously obviously we're going against Coach Odom and, and a couple of other coaches that used to be here. But, again, this is a player's game. And when the, when the kickoff starts, it's going to be about the men on that field and the jobs they do. Um, and and <clears throat> no different than any of us, we've gone against people we care about, you know, um, and, and, and have feelings for. But at the end of the day, uh, when you're playing a game, it's about the people in that locker room and, and the Mizzou on your chest. And what we're trying to do as our team uh, and the seniors here. And so we're trying to win. So it'll, uh, once it kicks, all that stuff goes out the window. Mitchell Forty from Power Mizzou,
1: Mitch. Yeah, Eli, I know Coach Pittman said yesterday he anticipated they would be pretty close to a full roster. Are, are you guys getting back close to that? And specifically, can you tell us what's going on with Daniel Parker?
7: Um, yeah, I mean, I looked at my sheet the other day, and they said we're going to have 61 scholarship players available, and it was like a sigh of relief. I, we're almost a full strength. Um, so, I mean, we'll be at 61. I don't know if that's full strength or not strength, but – it is what it is. I know our guys are going to fight their guts out, you know. we. Uh, so I don't I don't know what full streak looks like for them. Uh, but, yeah, whatever 61 is. Daniel, we anticipate having an opportunity to uh, uh, be available this week, but it's going to depend on how this week goes as far as um, working his way back in. And we'll make a decision probably Thursday or Friday on what's the best interest of his long-term health uh, and not short-term results. You know, we're for us, it's all about – what is best for our student athletes' futures, um, and so we're not going to risk uh, long-term for short-term results. Coach, I don't think you're flying under the radar anymore, especially with uh, some of the national coverage. It seems like a lot of positivity towards you and your team. Uh, how how do you think you'll you'll handle all that all that praise, especially uh, after the Vandy game? I haven't noticed it. Don't really care about it. Not not doesn't phase me uh, because it's really never going to be about me in this program. It's always going to be about our players and the Mizzou brand and what we're trying to accomplish for the Mizzou brand. That's why it's senior week. Uh, any, any accolades our team deserves is based on what our seniors have done and, and their ability to be resilient and lead this football team. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and I haven't really, seen anybody jumping up and down talking about us in the playoffs or anything so I think we can temper expectations I mean the reality is that for us we got three games left uh we got a big game this week that's really going to be uh for us kind of a litmus test on where we're at and uh we need to play well uh, we need to prepare well our coaching staff needs to prepare well uh and we need to put a great product on the field Saturday Saturday that our fans can be proud of in a rivalry game so you know, you're only as good as your next performance. So I don't really care about what they said last week.
2: Hey, Eli, uh, Sam Pittman yesterday confirmed your 11.45 p.m. text of last Monday, and he also confirmed that he thought it was pretty funny. And, and he also said that uh, he's taking a liking to you. So I'm wondering you your building relationship like with Sam Pittman?
7: Yeah, I mean, Sam, like I said earlier, uh, is the perfect fit for the University of Arkansas uh you know it's awesome that he got an opportunity to be the head coach there obviously was a former high school coach in the state of Missouri and and has worked his way up um and, and is a tremendous football coach and you know when you're new into this league kind of try to figure out you know who in this league you might be able to talk to and, and coach Pittman and I have been able to share a couple of texts and and what out you know what not throughout the year and and uh, he seems like the type of guy who can handle a joke and so that's what I thought I'd do since, you know, they were taking the week off getting healthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was it was fun. And wish him all the, all the success in the world except
6: Saturday at 11. All right, so there you have it from Coach Drink. And like I said, I mean, hey, it's all nice and everyone's friends and a lot of respect, rooting for him all the time, blah, blah, blah. Texting each other, cute messages. That's going to change in a hurry on Saturday, especially if this is a close game, especially if it's a controversial game. Not saying that it would be controversial, but, hell, this is the SEC. Crazy things happen, and I'm just glad that, uh, you know, the last couple versions of this have been damn ugly, ugly to watch. I think we got something brewing here. I really do, especially with these teams both on the upswing. This is going to be, I know fans don't want to call it a rivalry, yada, 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 whatever, but it's going to be some ball games. Let's call it that then. We're going to have some good ball games here. For this damn hundred and eighty pound battle line trophy, and <laughs> I mean both these quarterbacks are playing well. They both got solid running games. Both defenses hell. Both the I mean hell. Uh, Ryan Walters hired by Barry Odom. Barry Odom's kicking ass at Arkansas. So both got uh, I mean one side we got Grant Morgan, the other side we got Nick Bolton. So a lot of similarities between these two teams, believe it or not. And that kind of makes for a rivalry if you ask me, but uh, no one did. So (laughs) I'm just really looking forward to this one. I'm hoping we get, uh, you know. Remember it was, uh, I think it was the Missouri linebacker. Yeah, it was a guy that looked like, uh, I can't think of his name, but he looked like a Game of Thrones character. He was pretty fiery. He added some fuel to this one and uh, started the Missouri winning streak, if I'm not mistaken talking shit about the Razorbacks. So we need some of that back in this thing. I mean, I don't want it to get dirty, but I like it a little bit more when these coaches are kind of trading shots and exchanging words and all this. So that's what I'm hoping to get on Saturday. And I bet, like I said, this thing comes out of the wire. If, it, if something happens in it, we're going to get it like that. So just keep your eye out on it. Arkansas, Missouri. The fans don't consider it a rivalry for whatever reason. I guess because it's manufactured. But at the end of the day, I think these coaches do, despite what they're saying here. And whatever happens on Saturday is just going to add more fuel to that fire. Alright guys, so that's all I got for you on this one. We got a couple more games to break down, but uh, who can stand me talking for this damn long anyway? Hoping, praying, Cousin Shane returns for the next one. Hopefully, uh, you know, him moving down the street. I hope it's not too inconvenient. He told me, this is what he told me. So where, his his old house, you know, under construction. So much of the house he can't even use to record. He has to do it in his living room. It's all inconvenient. He's got his family coming in and out. I'm going to this new place. And guess what, man? I'm going to have my own studio. i going to have my own room. But what he didn't tell me was it's going to take him a damn month to move in. So <laughs> once he gets situated... He's watching TV. Right? He's watching Netflix, gambling uh, on mybookie.ag. Hit on over there. You know that's what he's doing right now. He's being lazy. But hopefully I get him back on the show. And I've been spieling here long enough, so we're going to cut it short. But, again, if you made it this far, just send out some more beer koozies. Give us that five-star rating on the Apple Podcast app. Once you do that, screenshot that. Send that on over to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail. Com, and I'm happy to send you a beard koozie of your choice, free of charge. That's just our way of saying thanks for giving us those five-star reviews. We're almost up to a 1,000. We're trying to hit that 1,000 mark. We only need five or six more, I believe. So really, really appreciate each and every one of you that does all that. So that's going to do it for this one. Thanks for uh, bearing with me here, and thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.